Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Texas Podcast. My name's Daniel. Hey, everyone. It's Carl Anke here. Hope you're doing well. Ah! Weren't expecting that, were you? Um, we do the podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. If you're on Apple Podcast, subscribe. It's free. You know, do what you want. Uh, we're on Patreon, Half Hope and I. We're probably going to post a throwback episode. You know what? Because Carl's on this week, I'm going to post a throwback episode that had Carl in it. Do you remember when we did the extras like way, way back in 2016, 17? Is that long ago? Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what? I'm going to post the Black Panther one that we did. So that's going to come out in a few hours once we're done recording. Um, Where can people find you on the internet, my friend? Uh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a joke. Uh, I love it when, when Uncle Paul was still podcasting and he'd ask him that question and he goes, you can't. So... That's my version of that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I was thinking, I, because I've been chopping up a bunch of audio recently about, like, like I said, like all the old extras, you know, where we talked about like Quantum Leap and uh, Kanye West. If you, you said something like, um, your favorite Kanye West album correlates with the time you had in college, something along those yep. lines. So I was like, that's very interesting. But either way, because with Drake and Kanye, it made me think about it. But, um, I was thinking, you know what? Because Uncle Paul is our most frequent collaborator. It mm-hmm. might make sense to do like a Uncle Paul comp for like a week we should or so. Do an Uncle Paul comp. Because there's definitely enough audio. But I will have to get his blessing in order to do that. Because maybe he just doesn't want his voice out here full stop. But I thought about it. Especially when I saw his Instagram story today. Like He's like, bro, I'm done. It's my last ep. He posted the microphone and everything. I was like, ah. But I gave him some claps because I know he's he's been talking about that to hang for his a name while, from the rafters. So. Uncle Paul was a true a true legend. I'm sad, but I'm happy for him in the same way. So, so go go listen to I was gonna call it the rank cast, but go listen to no question about that. Here here is his, what would you call it his testimonial? I guess. <laughs> no, it's like it's, it's his last match. So there you go. Uh, let's get into it. We had a Champions League fiasco now. The Champions League draw happens East Coast time at 6 a.m. Your boy wasn't waking up at 6 a.m. to watch them take balls out of the pot. The The way I've done it in the past is very dangerous and bad for, for my health. But normally I just stay up through the night and then watch it and then go to sleep Bro. at like 6.15, 6.30 whenever it's over. And then I take a series of naps to get myself back on, on a good schedule throughout the day. But I was like, you know what, Daniel, let's be responsible. So I went to sleep, woke up like 
you messaged like on, on my phone. It was like they messed up the draw. They had to do it again. <laughs> so if you could explain for me what happened and why. Okay. So uh, watching this from Europe, it went out 12 o'clock Central Eastern time or 11 o'clock in the morning UK time. And uh, it's a Champions League draw. So it starts at a certain time. We have no idea when the draw genuinely begins. And we have no idea when it ends. But this time we went, ooh. Champions League draw at 11, Europa League draw at 12, Europa Conference League a bit after that. This might be quite a short, pleasant draw. Uh, Andre Arshavin came out to, as the designated former professional football player to take the balls out of uh, each bowl, so to speak. It takes maybe half an hour, which was quite interesting. But partway through the draw, Mr. Arshavin pulls out Villarreal as one of the mm-hmm. runners-up. And then he goes into the bowl of group winners to find a team that Villarreal can face and pulls out Manchester United. Oh, nope, sorry. They can't play each other because they were in the same... They were in the same group. They were in the same group. So then goes back. So then puts Manchester United, the ball for Manchester United down and then goes back in and draws Manchester City. And goes, Villarreal will play Manchester City. Then they do some more draws. So what happens next is... um, Atletico Madrid are drawn as the next runner-up. So all, basically what happened was all the runners-up were drawn first and then they were drawn against the, the group winners. So when Atletico were drawn, there was a little mention from the uh, presenter, whose name currently escapes me, so please forgive me, um, who said, Atletico Madrid cannot face Liverpool or Manchester United. And on the TV screen behind him, or the computer screen behind him, there was a little red box towards Manchester United's name saying Manchester United could not be drawn against Atletico Madrid, which was incorrect. So Atletico Madrid, as the Spanish as a Spanish team, could not be drawn against Real Madrid because another same confederation could not be drawn against Liverpool, but they could be drawn against Manchester United. So this very small error that happened during the draw had really small reverberations around the rest of the draw. So that they go get drawn against Bayern Munich, uh, and the process continues on until uh, the draw is complete. It was one of those real sort of blink and you'll miss it. When a number of our journalists were at The Athletic were watching the draw, I went, that was weird. Why did he say that? Um, and the entire draw was completed. We finished and we went, no, that was really weird. Did he really say, I think they can't play Manchester United? We went back, watched the live stream again and said, this is odd. You can't do that. <laughs> um, is that... Sporting integrity? Is this rigged? Is this a fix? Was this the clerical error? Like, how did this mistake occur? Um, so the draw was finished around just after eleven thirty. So, and we all sort of sat there and went, "Should we write articles about this draw, or should we wait and see if they have to redo it?" There was conversation that, uh, as far as we know now, so as we record this in the after, in the evening of Monday, the thirteenth of December, we know. Atletico Madrid were said to be furious mm-hmm. at the result that left them drawn against Bayern Munich. Uh, we understand two or three other clubs were going, hang on, you can't have done that. That can't stand. So the original Champions League last 16 draw, the one that happened at 11 o'clock, Benfica was drawn out first. They were going to play Real Madrid. Villarreal, as I just explained with the Manchester City, Manchester United thing, got Man City. Atletico Madrid got Bayern Munich. Uh, RB Salzburg drawn against Liverpool. Inter Milan were up against Ajax. Chelsea were against Lille. Paris Saint-Germain were up against Manchester United. That was meant to be the sort of glamour tie. Mm. Uh, people, you know, Gary Lineker was tweeting, oh, it's Ronaldo versus Messi again. And Sporting Club de Portugal, or Sporting Lisbon, as most people refer to them as, uh, were up against 
Juventus. So that's 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 what we thought was going to happen. Uh, I think I I told two or three. Oh, this might mean I get to watch Messi play football live for the first time in my life. I was quite excited about that. And then it hit twelve o'clock or just after twelve o'clock, and we it became known that well everyone basically realized the mistake that happened. Uh, UEFA put out a statement uh, where they said it was a error on the computing part rather than the human error. Uh, so they didn't formally apologize at the time. This is some very good UEFA speak. Where <laughs> you are, you're apologizing, you're apologizing without ever saying the word sorry. <clears throat> Following a technical problem with the software of an external service provider that instructs the officials as to which teams are eligible to play each other, a mm-hmm. material error occurred in the draw for the UEFA Champions League round of 16. As a result of this, the draw has been declared void and will be entirely redone at 1500 Central Eastern Time. Really good UEFA speak. So not too many commas. They make it very clear that the error was done by a computer. And that uh, they want to make sure that the software was done by an external service. Yeah, so yes, yes. UEFA did not touch this whatsoever. Um, and uh, and it was a material error that occurred, which I thought a material it, it error. It made, it made it, you know it was that one of those bits of legal speak that made me laugh quite uh, a bit. Yes, so they, have they, they, they have good lawyers. They have good lawyers. They have good lawyers. They said that the draw was void. Uh, there was no apology offered within any social media or official documentation. There was an apology in the new draw. So at three o'clock Central Eastern Time, two p.m. UK time, there was a brand new Champions League draw. They said they had fixed the machines and whatnot, and we went into it again to give us our now last 16 draw as we now see it so if anyone is um if you use anything like twitter or instagram with the algorithmic timeline you might by the time you watch this still be getting things from the old champions league draw you might be still getting cristiano ronaldo versus messi the new last 16 draw is the following rb leipzig were first out they will now play Bayern munich sporting club de portugal sporting lisbon will be playing manchester city Benfica will now be playing Ajax. Chelsea will be playing Lille again. So that draw... Is that the only one that maintained itself? That was the only one that happened again on the second time of asking. Uh, Atletico Madrid will now be playing Manchester United. Villarreal will be playing Juventus. Mm -hmm. Inter Milan will be playing Liverpool. And Paris Saint-Germain will be playing Real Madrid. I think now, basically, any Champions League knockout tie that involves Paris Saint-Germain, you almost feel contractorially obligated to call it a glamour tie because, oh, it's mm. Paris and they've got a lot of money. But, you know, against Real Madrid feels like a proper old money versus new money. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of conversation about Kylian Mbappe in that game. We'll be talking a bit about Sergio Ramos in there as well. I'm going to yep. be really excited to see Vinicius take on Hakimi in that game, in those series of games. So those games will happen 15th of February for a bunch of clubs and then the teams that play on the 15th of February will play again on the 8th of March. Which, uh, yeah. So, Daniel, what do you make of the Champions League draw? Firstly, the thing sounds like a mess, and I'm glad I stayed asleep. Because <laughs> then I would have stayed up for no reason and had to get up again. Or I would have gone to sleep thinking it was the right one, then woke up, and it's a totally different thing. So I'm glad I did what I did. That's my first inclination. I like these. I like this set of games that I'm looking at on the screen the second right one. now. It keeps things separate. You know, there's maybe two games, three games, maybe you could argue. You know, Atletico United, Inter against Liverpool, and PSG against Real Madrid. But, you know, Bayern are in their own way. City have their advantage. Juventus probably have an advantage. 
and Chelsea have their advantage. You don't want four of the eight to be the big boys just yet. You know, the quarterfinals is where this thing starts. So for my purposes, I would have liked PSG and Real Madrid to maybe be against Benfica and Ajax if that was possible. You know, just keep everybody separate until we get to, to the last eight. But yeah, what I'm looking at, like there's never a bad Champions League draw. I always get intrigued when people like, you know, right the the day before, no, this team's going to play that team and that team's going to play this team and this team's going to play that team. What do you think's going to happen? Nah, I know exactly what's going to happen. PSG are going to be playing Real Madrid on the moon at 3 p.m. Like People are so confident that they know what's going to happen. But it really doesn't matter because all of these teams are good, are good teams. They went through, you know, the qualification the season prior. They made it through the group stage this time. The games are going to be good. So you're going to enjoy Inter against Liverpool. You're going to enjoy Manchester United against Atletico. That's a little bit more, you know, styles make fights kind of deal. Salzburg-Bayern could even be really fun because who knows what that score is going to be. And then if you just want straight <laughs> drama and, you know, Mbappe going to the Bernabeu, <laughs> like, they, that's, that's their really Because that first leg will be happening in February. And as it stands, Mbappe... He could sign a free contract, but he won't do that. He he could very much have signed a pre-contract to join Real Madrid by the time this leg has happened. Everything involving Kylian Mbappe's future is still, I don't want to say up in the air. I want to say is very much being played behind closed doors, so to speak. Pardon the pun. PSG are adamant that Mbappe will be renewing his contract and staying at PSG. Real Madrid seem pretty confident that Mbappe is going to be a Real Madrid player. I'm sure some very funny people will make some WWE mock-ups about how this game is for the custody of Kylian Mbappe. Um, but I think that that's probably the highlight tie there. I think that's, you know, it's the glamour tie. Here's a question for you, Daniel. Do you mm-hmm. think the winner of PSG versus Real Madrid will win the Champions League? No. Okay. Follow-up question. Looking at this round of 16, mm-hmm. who do you think is now the favourite to win the Champions League? Bayern. If there are favourites, mm-hmm. it's City and Bayern. I think those are the two. You can maybe make an argument for Chelsea in some world just based on how Tuchel plays in Europe, that his maybe more pragmatic style of football is better for knockout competitions, as exemplified in, in, in what Chelsea did last season. But if you could say Liverpool have a chance, but they're playing Inter, and that's not going to be an easy match. You look at PSG or Madrid, you can't. whoever wins, it's, it's, it's hard to say who wins that tie. I don't think Atletico or Manchester United are going to win the Champions League. And the others, you know, Sporting, Benfica, Ajax, Leo, Villarreal, Juventus, I don't, I mean, they're there, but, you know, they're not favorites or anything. So it's really, for me, between Bayern and City, those are the two favorites mm-hmm. as I see it. And I think I just trust Bayern more. Manchester City, it's like, a, it's a Doubting Thomas kind of proposition for me. Like, I need to see the nail, the holes in the hands, the holes in the feet, show it to me. You, you, won't, so, make, you won't make Man City favorites until Man City have won it. Right. So that's that's that, the LA so, so 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 all of that together means if I see you against Salzburg, I know you're in the quarterfinal. At least I have a strong suspicion you're in the quarterfinal because of that information. You're more you're most likely to win it. But when the variables change, come back and, and we'll talk again. So <laughs> let me ask this question, baseman. I believe it was ninety three. If you make a mistake, will you re-record the podcast a few hours later? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, uh, seriously, though, of the big four favorites, City, Bayern, Chelsea, Liverpool, who's most likely to get upset? Also, should Ajax be in that conversation? 
Ajax didn't lose in the group stage, I don't think. I think Sebastian nope. Haller is the first player to score in every group stage mm-hmm. match. You could make a very compelling argument right now that Ajax are probably one of the top 10 best run clubs in Europe. I want a top 10 best performing clubs in Europe right now. Yes, okay, you know, the Eredivisie is not the same quality as the top five leagues in Europe, but the way Ajax are playing, and you bear in mind their revenue or their comparative revenue, I think their mm-hmm. their revenue in TV revenue is something like 9 million, where some a club Oof. the size of... Premier League clubs make that in a game. <laughs> let me let me let me really confirm that it was nine million because it um yeah there's a lot of numbers going around in my brain. But their, yeah. their comparative TV revenue is 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 lower than Everton, is lower than Lyon. Ajax bring in less money than the top ten clubs in England, easily in terms mm-hmm. of broadcasting revenue. So they will be really happy with their draw, both of them. Inter would have been difficult, but I, I wouldn't put it a, a past Ajax to beat Inter Milan. And against Benfica, they, they'll be the favourites against Benfica and they'll they'll look good quality for the quarterfinals. And after quarterfinals, you know, another favourable draw, jobs are good and they could they could make another semi-final run. Easy. Wow. No, no, let me not say easy. They could make another semi-final run. And I think what's also interesting is if you look at Ajax's first team now, it is dramatically different to the first team that made the last semi-final as Ajax team. Uh, this is according to Wikipedia, so take that with a grain of salt. But their deal is with ESPN in Netherlands, and they they have a an eight year deal, or is that a twelve year deal? Twelve year deal. They make eighty million a year euros, so, six, sixty seven yeah. million pounds, as contrasted with the Premier League, which is one point six billion. So pounds. that's that's the Eredivisie as a league. Uh, so here's a right. quote from. Here is a quote from Edwin van der Sar: The budget of big clubs in other leagues is between four hundred and eight hundred million euros euros with 200 mm-hmm. million in tv rights then there are clubs like roma or everton with a budget of around 300 million with 18 million in television rights ix only gets 9 million euros in television rights we also do not have a rich shake it feels very weird to describe ix a club that has won four european cups if memory serves they've just hit 35 league titles last year uh, they melted down the last one they won because they're like yeah we won this behind closed doors and we'll melt it down and give uh, a time oh yeah, star. I remember that they gave people like pieces of the. <laughs> That's such a fun... like, We've got so many of these at home. Melt <laughs> it down. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah I, I think, um, I think Ajax can make a deep run to to can make a deep run in the Champions We've League. We've gone five, six, seven minutes on Ajax, and I would not be surprised if Benfica beat them. That's that's the thing. Okay, okay, all right, all right. So to follow up on that question, which tie here do you think is most likely to give you an upset? Given because I'd say man, I'd say Benfica, City, Bayern, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Yeah, which, which clearly Liverpool because Inter and Inter are a different caliber of team to Leo, Salzburg, and uh, Sporting. All with all due respect, so um, Liverpool are in the most danger if we want to go upset. But Inter against Liverpool for me is not an upset. Those are teams that are general. I, I can't call them equals because Liverpool have won the Champions League within the past three four seasons, but. They're more, there's more parity in that match than that, that might be the most even match I'm looking at. Really? You don't seem to think Liverpool are very good. No, no, no. That's, 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 that's just how much I rate what Inter Milan are up to right now. So, okay, fair enough. If you look at this, which is the most evenly positioned match? Would you say Atletico uh, United? If you want to be pure numbers, then the yeah. UEFA coefficients have the ninth best team up against the 10th best team in Atletico Madrid and Manchester United. United are ninth, 
Club Atletico de Madrid, if you want to call them that. Or 10. It's the correct way to call them, but I, Atletico you know. de Madrid. Like, come on, you're, you're, it's English. Do you call them Bayern München? I hate people that go Bayern <laughs> München. It's Bayern Munich. What are you trying to do? Bayern München. Um, so that one would be the closest one. I think the interesting one there is PSG. I, mean, I think Manchester United probably would have preferred to play PSG than Atletico Madrid. Honestly, I think Atletico are probably a harder team to play than PSG at this current mm-hmm. point. And if you you know if you bear in mind, Mister Ralph Rangnick wants to turn United into this sort of pressing side. Uh, that sort of pressing football might have been more effective against a Paris Saint Germain team that, as a front three, doesn't really want to press compared to an Atletico Madrid team that relish that sort of competition. But um, yeah, I think that's that. I think Villarreal versus Juventus could be a banana skin for Juventus. I think Unai Emery's team is... I'm trying to find a way, a word that's nicer than boring. But yeah, they try and suffocate, try and make make the the game less entertaining and limit the amount of variance in games and close down the space and try and compress the pitch vertically. And that might work against a Juventus side that hasn't looked the greatest in Europe or at home in Italy. So those are my thoughts about the Champions League. I think right now um, let me let's 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 knock out these questions because sure. as as it was the topic of the day, we got a lot of questions on this, so we can run through these. From Matt FCB, discuss PSG versus Real Madrid narrative, please. Um, Mbappe needs to knock out Madrid to make a statement for his career. It probably won't happen, but let's hope. <laughs> He's a Barca fan, so you know. <laughs> Take that with the great assault. But Mbappe going to the Bernabeu or Ramos going back? Kaylo Navas. I think Kaylo Navas is a nice Ooh. fun one in that Real it's, Madrid fan. It's, it's it's people on PSG going back to Madrid rather than people yeah. on Madrid who are going back to PSG. But yeah, um, for the most part, it's um, that's that's tasty because we know what January is going to be. It's going to be all about this pre-contract with Mbappe. And, and is he is, is he going to sign? Is he not? And if he does, then that's crazy. And if he doesn't, he was spotted shopping for uh, condominiums in the <laughs> Madrid suburbs. Like we know what it's going to be. So yeah, that's, that's... <laughs> I forgot about that show, yo. That, yeah, that show's going to be crazy. I was saying um, Tic Tac right into September. Do you it know was, what uh... that that reminds me? That reminds me because there's no question on this, but we need to talk about it. And I'll bring it up when this is when we're done. Section M Group, the today's farce. What else? Can you guys please discuss or try to decode what technical faults were you wait for referring to in just picking up a ball and whether the fault <laughs> was that the people caught them? Do you think if people didn't notice that little slip that they would have done it? Or do you think the reason they redid it was because people were like, ah, ah, ah you can't do that? So I didn't notice it watching in real time. Among the athletic journalists that were watching it, two or three did. I went, hang on, did he say that? And we saw sort of, you know, watching the YouTube, pulling it back to see what happened. I think once Atletico Madrid raised the complaint, I believe some clubs were like, you know what, that's not a bad draw. Whereas other clubs, <laughs> you couldn't, I'm not going to, I, I, I'm not going to say this club in particular was very happy with their draw because oh, Chelsea, I don't think that's definitely. possible. But Chelsea, I know, Chelsea, I know, Chelsea had the option for Bayern. We, Nobody we wants to fact, play Bayern. We know for a fact Atletico Madrid were not happy with the fact they had to play Bayern Munich based on a, te- on a technical error. The boogeyman. Nobody wants to play the boogeyman. You don't want to play Bayern until the last minute. Which is... I mean, this is the interesting thing about the Champions League. Because if you view this in terms of 
you know, mathematics or gamesmanship. You ideally do want to play the big team early, right? You want to play them no. on the two legs. No. Would you rather play against Bayern for 180 minutes or in a final for 90? Now, it's, it's the really interesting thing about football. There is the argument that you want to play them early over two legs because in over 180 minutes, you have a longer time to beat them. But because it's Bayern Munich and because football is such a, a low-scoring sport with so many chaos variant elements to it, you most people, I think most football fans listen to this, will go, no, I want to play them in the final. Because that way, I can, you know, get in a dodgy deflection from a cor- from a corner kick and just hunker down for the rest of eighty five minutes. Whereas if you give me one hundred and twenty minutes, uh, and and the rest of the fans, I don't want to do that. I'm shaking so, my head vigorously. Yes, yes, yes to everything you just said, but I feel a strong butt coming. No, 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 no. This this is just it's just one of the fun things about football. Oh, okay, and, and I suppose okay. I suppose it also depends on the opponent, right? So, uh, yeah, I cover Manchester United, so I. When Manchester United play a team like Atletico Madrid, yeah, over two legs, I'm worried. Over one game, eh, you know, I think we'll be in. See, I would have the reverse. Um, I would have the reverse idea. I feel like you would want your attacking players to have the most time possible, especially with no away goals anymore. Yes, to, well, to, think, to, to, thank to you have time to well. break down Atletico Madrid over the course of two games, rather than you know. Atletico know for 90 minutes all they have to do is close shop and then in extra time whatever happens happens. Uh I have, covering Man United I I you know, uh, uh the 2019-20 season where the season finished and then everyone you know half the teams went over to finish the Champions League in Germ and to finish the Europa League in Cologne and then a number of them finished it in was it Portugal? Lisbon? Portugal. Right. So when when we moved to single elimination and United got knocked out of the Europa League semi-final against Sevilla. I remember watching that game going, if this was over two legs, United would win. They'd, mm. you just, they just have better attackers and it would absolutely batter them. But Sevilla won because over one game, there was enough variance and bad finishing and whatnot. And Dolly, to my mind, didn't get the subs right. But the, but that was that. Um, Suleiman asked, what style of play do you think will win the Champions League this year? Last year it was Chelsea and Tuchel's defensive solidity. The year before that it was Bayern and Flick's high line, all out attack, etc. And somebody, uh, Arpon Das, seven forty four. What fixture in the round of sixteen do you think will have the most goals? Ooh, so maybe we can combine um, those together. I think. Um, I think the team. Salzburg and Bayern are going to have the most goals. Whether Bayern are scoring most of the goals, I don't. It might not be an even distribution, but that's the one that's going to have the most goals. Uh, I think uh, Sporting Lisbon versus Man City will have the most goals hmm. for similar reasons, but also I can see Sporting Lisbon getting a couple. Do you know Sporting Lisbon's manager is like the most expensive manager ever? They paid a world record manager fee for that dude. I forget. It starts with an A. I that forget dude, his name. And you don't even know his name. I, I, it's just like if it was a question on Jeopardy or question. To, what, what's the show that you guys have? Jeopardy? Like that's the we college. Got, we got one of those. Yeah, I wouldn't know it. Like I wouldn't buzz in. So the but it's one of those things is, that's like, oh, that's the dude. He Hold is on, let Ruben me look. Amorim. He is only 36 years of age, according to Wikipedia. He's, he's, he's meant to be like the next Mourinho, but world record manager fee. he's the third most expensive manager of all time 
he it was a managerial transfer worth 10 million euros according to wikipedia 8.6 million nagelsman broke it this year and rogers wow. to celtic broke it okay see like this is information I had boss. wow years ago yeah vs boss was a really big deal for a very short space of time they paid 25 million euros to get nagelsman damn <laughs> Uh, Nangus was going to be great. I, I, probably gonna win yeah, I had like rough information. Like I said, I wouldn't have buzzed in, but I knew that dude was like, he was expensive. But anyway, either, um, either, 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 either. the style of play question, I think, is interesting because I wouldn't say Bayern Munich and Chelsea have dramatically. I suppose it depends on how much you want to zoom in or out. I think now every Champions League winning team. Going back to, uh, let's say, 2013? No, I want to say post-Real Madrid winning three in a row. I think after Real Madrid won three in a row, every Champions League winner you've seen since then. So this is 2019, 2020, 2020, 2021. I think every team there could be described as being a possession-based side, right? These are teams that will play games of football and on an average weekend can get anywhere between... can can finish a game with 60% possession, right? That These are teams that are very good with the ball in all facets of the field. I think the interesting thing now is that we're seeing an evolution of possession-based football that we are seeing teams use the possession as an offensive tool, like Bayern Munich. And we're also seeing teams that can use possession as a defensive tool. So um, you're essentially, you know, essentially what we're arguing is basically what version of Johan Kreuz's tenants are we listening to, right? So Kreuz's big thing was, yeah, okay, I don't have, I'm going to play with a high line, perhaps not necessarily the fastest defenders, but as he said, there's only one ball. And as far as long as we have it, then they can't score. And I think Bayern Munich were, as long as we have it and we're attacking you, you can't score. Whereas Tuchel, who is very, he was closer to Guardiola and Cruyff than he is to the German football that has been fathered by, or godfathered by Ralph Rangnick, is very much of that ilk of it's possession style football, but also they can use possession as a way of stopping you from scoring in that I've got the ball. We're very good at keeping the ball. We're going to keep the ball away from you. I'm going to play in areas that you don't want and away from areas where you can hurt us. And I think that's why Chelsea were very good in the Champions League last season. And I think that's one reason why Manchester City won the Premier League playing as like a less aggressive pressing style of football last year. And I think that's why Manchester City got to the final last year as well. Guardiola's Man City is interesting in that they can use possession. They they do possession play, but they're very good at using it in an attacking sense. And then when he wants to, he can be like, you know what? Shut it down. Make it really, really boring. Um, so that's why City... Again, I understand, Daniel, why you don't want to make them favourites until they win the thing. And I think I have the same reluctance there as well. So the team that will win the Champions League is going to play a possession-based style of football. I have an inkling. I've spoken about this two or three times. And the more I listen to people like Emma Hayes talk about football, the more I think 
Tuchel's Chelsea is going to be what the next three or four years of football is going to be about. Ugh. You're going to see more. I think you're going to see more big teams play like Tuchel's Chelsea. Then you'll see more big teams play like uh, Bayern Munich or play like Liverpool because playing in those sorts of high pressing styles is really hard. It's really hard to win a league. It's really hard to win silverware doing that because you need great players in all areas of the field. You need really, really good fullbacks and not everyone can afford to drop 15 million on a fullback. And as Manchester United have demonstrated, you can play, spend 50 million on a fullback and that could be the wrong fullback very, very quickly. Um, so while PSG should be the favourites, uh, I don't think PSG will win the Champions League or a team playing like PSG will win the Champions League for a little bit. I think we won't get a team win the Champions League in the same way that Real Madrid won the three-peat. Uh, but then again, I, I, at no point during Real Madrid's three-peat did I think Real Madrid were going to win the Champions League. Like in none of those three seasons that I go, Real Madrid's win the Champions League this year. So, what I know. Um, that's almost too good to pass up. Where's Barcelona? <laughs> Barcelona are in the Europa League and they are going to play against Napoli, which is going to be really fun. Oof. Right, the, uh, I'm sure there will be some nice short documentaries made about Diego Maradona's time at both clubs. Mm. Um, but yeah, at the time we're, we're talking about this, uh, I Napoli are the favourites for that, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. They, I'm not. I, I don't bet, and and I don't hope anyone listening to this understands that none of the things I talk to you about should be used to make bets with. Like, don't oh, do that. No, 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 don't do that. But. Napoli are a better team than Barcelona at the moment. And yeah. Javi coming in doesn't automatically mean Barcelona are good again or will get good again by February. Um this is a this is not the Napoli team on the Sari or whatnot, but they are they're fourth in Serie A right now. They will they they look pretty good value for getting finishing the Champions League spaces yep. next season. So yeah. Especially if Juventus keep dropping points. So. Especially if Juventus keep dropping points. So I, I think Napoli are better than Barcelona. Do you know I think what? Napoli should win that one. I think the the same way that AC Milan finished fourth in their group, and I think it's probably good for their ultimate. Oh yeah. D- design on Serie A. It might be good. Now, I d- does does the loser of is is this like a round of sixty a round of thirty two or is this a play in game? Do you know it's, what I mean? This is now being referred to as a playing game, but this is right. This is around. Right. It's a round of thirty two. So it's round of thirty two. Just lose it. It's not worth it for Barcelona to win Europa League. Oh, actually, no. They need don't, the money. Don't do that. One, you they need the, the money. money, and two, if you win it, that could be your only chance to get Champions League. I was gonna say That's... drop it and focus on top four, but is it right? You actually kind of need to stay in the competition. They're Barcelona, but right that's now, gonna what? tank your Barcelona uh, your domestic season probably playing Thursdays and Sundays. They're eighth in La Liga right now. They mm-hmm. are what Real Madrid have forty two points. Barcelona have twenty four points right now. They Barcelona are five points off. Atletico Madrid in fourth. So it's not insurmountable. And and to be 
to be brutal about this, Barcelona aren't really in the mood to be tanking. I don't think they need all the money they can possibly get. I well, <laughs> I I am of the opinion. I am of the nerdy numbers opinion that if mm-hmm. you are a top four team in England, you should be actively trying to tank at least one of the cup competitions. Oh yeah, England, right. Like there, there is just play the kids in the but there's just Carling there's cup. Just not you, you either win the FA, you either try and make a deep run in the FA Cup, you, know, you either try and make a deep run in the League Cup, or if you can't, then the moment the FA Cup third round comes along, go, you know what? Eh, not to this. But the more I talk to coaches, the more I talk to people at these clubs, they will tell you, we don't want to tank because at that point in time, and that point in time, I'm referring to the first week of January, the FA Cup third round time, they say that point in time. You want to win that game because you've just played an absolute slog of Christmas fixtures and losing then can really screw up your January. It's not just, oh, we tanked. It don't worry. We're on to the next one. But you want to keep, like momentum's a thing Ugh. and it can affect it can affect you in ways that to our, out, I'm going to say my civilian eyes that haven't played professional sport at that level, um, I still can't understand or, or, or properly quantify, right? And I don't think I think Barcelona going to play against Napoli, losing that game against, losing that tie against Napoli will hurt Barcelona in whatever they want to do a lot more than giving an effort, going close, possibly winning that game. The Europa League is not going to be the ideal competition for Barcelona, but they should probably put a lot of effort into trying to win that thing. If they can't beat Osasuna, I don't think they're going to beat Napoli. Did you see Barcelona's goal scorers? You know what? I want you to look up Barcelona's goal scorers. I want look look up Barcelona <laughs> against Osasuna, and I want you to try to pronounce the names of the people who scored. Oh, I haven't spoken Spanish in a little bit, so please. This is me. exactly why this will be fun. Oh, okay. So they drew two two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nico Gonzalez, Abde Ezaruz, Azazuli. <laughs> I don't know. I I I'm 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 really sorry to La Liga watches Barcelona fans. I don't know who those two players are. Me either. That's what I'm saying. Like, where who are these dudes? These are Barcelona <laughs> players. Where did they come from? Uh, I thought I don't. Dembele was there. We know him. We know Depay, De Jong. We know uh, isn't no? There's two De Jongs, isn't there? There's Luke De Jong, Frankie De Jong, Gavi, Pedri. Ansu Fati, you know, with the, 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 like, like, you know, it's not Messi and Suarez and Neymar and Busquets and all those dudes. But who is it? Who are these guys? They are, they are La Masaya graduates, right? These are people from Listen. Barcelona B. This is, this is, they are going, they're trying to do it. They're trying to do Guardiola again, but with Xavi instead. It's going to be interesting um, from what I've just seen. On Google listed their formation not as a four three three, but a three 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 one, which yeah. is Bielsa esque. I mean, Bielsa more commonly does the three three one three with the the one the player the the single pivot is the Agash Engash Engashe, uh, sort of like a if I'm correct if I'm correct understanding this it's like the term for it is the hook for the attacking play. Um, what language and, is that? Is that Spanish? It's meant to be Spanish. Uh, again, my apologies for pronunciation. Um, I can't speak Spanish so well. So there's that, and we know we know Guardiola, and you know Guardiola is heavily influenced by Bielsa and Xavi. 
makes no secret that in fact he's heavily influenced by Guardiola. So that that looks fun, but it's weird to think about Barcelona like this, right? I'm looking at Barcelona. That looks fun. I, I feel slightly patronizing of Barcelona at the moment. I will mm-hmm. also say, in the same way that we we've joked about this before, my my views about Barcelona are still coloured by my still bitterness about what Barcelona did against my team in the Champions League. Do you know what I mean? Where the dude shows up to the month. funeral and he's like, I'm yep. just here to make yep. sure he's dead. Like, that's everybody. Yep. Yes. That's Madrid. That's Chelsea. That's Liverpool. That's United. That's Atleta. It's everybody. Bayern. Barcelona. Barcelona. I'm ten, just here to make time, sure you're dead. This time 10 years ago, right, a decade ago, Barcelona was the best football team on the planet. You think Runaway. I forgot 2009? You crazy? <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Right? Barcelona was the best football team on the planet in 2011. Uh, arguably the best football team on the planet in 2011. Let me, let me make sure I am utterly correct. So 2011-2012 season. Yeah, that was they, Messi scoring like 90 goals in the season. 11-12 they, 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 they finished. Didn't they win the treble the season before? Yeah. Or, yeah. Was, or, yeah. Was, or was the treble 2008? No, 9. It was 08 The treble is, is the treble. The treble is 10-11, and then 11-12, they finished second. And no, 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 no. The, the treble was 2008-2009 because Eto won back-to-back trebles. Yes. One with, yes. one with Barcelona and one with Inter, and Inter was 2009-2010. 2014-15 might have been another treble. 10-11 isn't a treble. It's they don't win the Copa del Rey. They, right. lose, that to, they lose that to Gareth Bale's goal. But either but way, they, they were the best team in and Europe the for like yeah, yeah, five, yeah. six years straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they uh, were I'm currently... they were getting everybody. So now yeah. it's your time. It's your time. Be down. <laughs> learn, learn how to pick yourself up. <laughs> uh, I, I, anyone listening to this um, who's looking for a gift to give to a football fan over Christmas, um, I will recommend Simon Cooper's book about Barcelona. I just finished reading it over the last couple of weeks. It's it's a very Simon Cooper book. So Simon Cooper wrote Soconomics uh, and otherwise known as Why England Lose. And it, it sort of charts. It goes all the way up until the border facts. And it doesn't. So it talks about how FC Barcelona basically became FC Messi by the end. And it goes, I don't know what the future is for Messi. So reading it now, knowing Messi's left and knowing where Barcelona is. Um, is I know. I know. I know I shouldn't enjoy it, but again, they beat my team in the Champions League, so I'm going to enjoy it. Twice? Are you going to say twice? Twice. Twice! <laughs> <laughs> Guardiola. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's 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 get into some league stuff quickly. It was a week of penalties in the Premier League. Yeah. So all of the major players, I guess we can say, I don't know if United count in that cohort, but we'll put them in there. Um. <laughs> Yeah, well, the top you know, four from last season. They're, they're last for a reason because I want to give you time to talk. But yeah, they all won by one goal and they were all penalties. So Man City, they beat Wolves. Sterling scored a penalty. Then Chelsea played Leeds. Rudiger won two penalties that Jorginho converted. Mm-hmm. Very interesting <laughs> that your center back is winning two penalties in a game. But okay. Liverpool. Aston Villa, you know, the return of Steven Gerrard to Anfield and all of that. Salah converts a penalty, Liverpool win. So the main three contenders win. And then Manchester United, Norwich, uh, Cristiano got his penalty. Did he win the penalty as well? Yes. 
He was yeah, uh, and he crossing the box it, so. and he was felled by a defender as the ball kept came in. And uh, yeah, the penalty was given. So for my purposes, how do I say this nicely? I don't think Thomas Tuchel's ever had to really create an attack. Huh. So huh. I don't know what... I, I, That's at, at incorrect. The, at the top level, at the top level is what I'm saying. There we and go. I'll, and, 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 and I'll explain my logic here. The Bundesliga is the Bundesliga. So if you're Bayern or Dortmund, I don't know how much you have to do to create a functioning attack in a league that attacks its football in that sense. It seems quite not easy because I couldn't do it. But if you're a professional football coach, <laughs> I wonder how, how difficult is it to make attacking players look good in the Bundesliga? I don't think it's that difficult. Then he goes to PSG <laughs> and he has Neymar, Mbappe, Di Maria, and a whole host of other attacking players at his disposal in League 1. So how hard is it really to create an attack in that league in that sense either? We can talk I mean, about he, Europe he made it, He made it look better than Pochettino did. He's done better than Ancelotti did. He's done better than a lot of managers did at PSG. Okay, but that doesn't negate the point. Chelsea is the first time he's had to come into a team mm-hmm. and actually create goals from, from nothing. Because mm-hmm. it's... it's it, am I wrong? Now, I understand what you're trying to say. You're trying to apply a Bundesliga text to his time at Dortmund. I didn't want to use those words, Carl. I tried explicitly not to say Bundesliga text. If Bundesliga text is a thing, which it (laughs) It might be, (laughs) right? Uh, There was a very good uh, Michael Cayley uh, at M underscore C underscore A, I believe. He does. He's one of the uh, bigger proponents of XG on football Twitter. He did some numbers and, uh, well, he was looking at numbers based on uh, expected goals in players that have gone from certain leagues to other leagues and theorized, and this is a theory, mm-hmm. highly theorized. It was some mathematics that in a tweet that was now deleted. But When did uh, he come out with this tweet? It's been, it's been deleted and it came out partway through last season. Okay, so I beat um, him to the punch, but go ahead. So... He theorized, and this is a theory that has been expanded upon in some people. Uh, yeah, it's it's there's not enough ev- there's not enough evidence here to make this work, right? So spit it out, if, Carl. If Bundesliga tax is a thing, it's not to do with the quality of the Bundesliga. It is to do with the amount of tactical variance in the Bundesliga, right? It's not to do with the fact that there are bad teams in the Bundesliga. It's to do with the fact that the nearly every coach in the Bundesliga is German. So every nearly every head coach is German. And the majority of teams, I say the majority, so in an 18-team league, at least, depending on how you want to look at, maybe 12 to possibly 16 of those teams play in a low to middle block that has a impetus on counter-attacking football, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that the quality of the Bundesliga is bad, it's that most They play of the teams Wild are- Wild West football. They play basketball. <laughs> That's the style of play. Like you have yeah, it, okay. we have it, yeah. and like if yeah. whoever scores the most wins. That's how okay. Lewandowski okay. scored right. forty goals in the season. They play right. basketball over there. Right. Uh, it's, okay. It's the most entertaining league in the world for that reason. Okay. But okay. so how hard so is it to that. create an attack? Is what I'm saying. So so there's that, and there's and and Michael Cady did some numbers and uh, reasonable made a reasonable. Again, this is now a deleted tweet, so I don't want to get into too much at all. But 
right? If it if it's real, you you could possibly take or possibly if you want to be really mean about it, you can look at Jaden Sancho's numbers in his final season of Dortmund and go, Jaden Sancho is going to come off to, to Manchester United. He's going to be 17% less effective. Now, a number of things have happened that his first season at Manchester United so far that meant he's been a lot less than 17% effective. But there you go. So, okay. 15 the of the bit, 18 coaches are either from Germany, Austria, or Switzerland. There you go. Right. So, yeah. If the Bundesliga tax is real, it's about variance. It's not about quality. Uh, and that variance leads to a certain style being prevalent, and that means certain players are well suited to the Bundesliga. Yeah. Benefit or whatnot. Um, so there's that. And I can un- I think Tuchel's, Tuchel's Dortmund were good. Were really good. And uh, I think I've been on this podcast a lot, and I tweet about this a lot, about how when we discuss Tuchel's Dortmund and we talk about why that team didn't quite reach the heights we thought it were, we have to remember the asterisks that everyone would prefer to forget, which was they nearly died. There was a bus attack, right? Mm-hmm. And we forget about that bus attack because the next, you know, they played the next day and that was Kylian Mbappe's great declaration when it was at Monaco. Yep. But, uh, you know, the bus attack happens. Tushu was very much like, I am not enjoying this anymore. Uh, and that begins the, the slow, but then very, very quick unraveling of that Dortmund team. Tushu built a very good attack in Dortmund that was taken apart basically because reasons. Uh, and certain players not kicking on in the way they want to kick on, and, and the fact that like a tragedy happened. I think his Paris Saint-Germain team were very good at attacking football. I think his use of Di Maria especially, and the relationship between Mbappe and Neymar, the fact that Neymar, ha 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 about jokes with injury, but that was a very good PSG team. And remember, that PSG team got to the final. Yes, okay, it was the fight. It was the bubble final. If you want to make a joke about it, it was the final Champions League final based on single elimination games. But Tuchel, Tuchel's taking Paris Saint Germain further in the Champions League than any other Paris Saint Germain manager. And at the moment, I'd say he. I mean, I don't think Pochettino's going to reach the Champions League final this year. True. So now I'm I'm, I'm still in the. And then we talk about Chelsea. I think over Chelsea. I think the thing about Chelsea is it's not that he's not able to create something from nothing. I think the problem is Chelsea have a very clear defined way of scoring, right? That they're, they're really good at set pieces and then they have this sort of ball out to the fullback or ball out to the winger and it gets pulled back. So it's not quite the, the triple tap goal that Man City play, but it's a very much a, we switch it wide. It gets the one of Mason Mount or one of our tens like uh, Ziyech, Havertz or Mason Mount and then the ball is pulled back and then someone has a shot, Right? I don't think he can't create something out of nothing. I think it's maybe the opposite, right? It's probably a little too prescriptive. I, you know, injuries played into this, but I, I was really surprised. Re- I've been surprised by how Tusha was used Lukaku so far. Lukaku played really well against in that game against Arsenal. And I thought, oh, great. He absolutely understands how Lukaku works. You shouldn't use him as a battering man up, up top and should just let him eat in that inside right channel and let Werner do that thing in the inside left. And then it just hasn't quite worked. Um, Tuchel is too clever for it to not work for is too he? long. He is. He is. He's, I think Tuchel is, I'd say he's top 10 in the world. Uh, there's a reasonable argument to be made that he's possibly top five. I don't think he's top three. He's maybe four. <laughs> Off the top of my head. Off the top of my head, I think the top two managers in the world are Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. Uh, I think the third best manager in the world now is Nangelsmann. And then I think you could reasonably put Tuchel as number four. 
I don't hear Mourinho. No, I'm, no. Joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, let's talk about Manchester United Norwich. Um, sure. Not or, or, or not Norwich particularly, but your thoughts about Manchester United, given that's your beat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Manchester United uh, are now with interim manager Ralph Rangnick. Uh, I think. I mean the strange thing for me now is watching Manchester United play like Southampton. So having covered Southampton in 2019, 2020, Ralph Hasenhutl, uh, Southampton manager, worked with Ralph Rangnick at RB Leipzig together. Like uh, Rangnick was the technical director and Hasenhutl was the was the manager. So at Leipzig, all the rugby teams played 4-2-2 at the time. And now we're watching Manchester United play 4-2-2-2. Uh, the wide players in that system are a bit more pinched in than regular wingers, which is why it's a 4-2-2-2 rather than a 4-4-2. Um, and Ragnik describes those wide players as number 10s, confusingly. Um, and I learned all this watching Southampton play and talking to Hassan all about this. So now watching Manchester United do this, I'm like, ha, huh, I'm just, this is weird. Uh, in that I know how Manchester United are supposed to play. Uh, and I also know the problems with this system. It relies a lot on the fullbacks to provide width. It relies a lot on the personal endeavour of those number 10s. They need to be really aggressive. Um, something to look out for, uh, Manchester United fans, Manchester United watchers. Ralph Rangnick will use words like open-minded when he likes a player. So he won't say he's really good because he's, he's, he's eager to learn and he's open-minded, which is his way of saying, is receptive to my methods. Okay, I think one thing that's interesting, I mean, United, United didn't get a clean sheet you know, until... Ollie went from March and then he get a clean sheet up until Carrot comes in. Carrot comes in until Rangit comes in and then Crystal Palace and it's a clean sheet and it's another clean sheet against Norwich. So uh, part of that is due to Dav De Gea. Part of that is just due to Ralph Rangit is very good at constructing the space in certain areas. He wants this Man United team to play high pressing. I am not sure if this style of football, the 4-2-2-2 shape, is going to benefit everyone in this United squad. There are, some, there are some players in there that are going to be very clear beneficiaries. So I think Dalo could very easily supersede Juan Bissaka as the starting right back because you need to be very aggressive in your one-on-ones and really progressive in taking the ball forward because you have to supply width in the final third. And if Juan Bissaka can't do it, I think Dalo can, will, will play there. In terms of the the two, it's a, it's a double six, but I think both of those players up in the middle will be box-to-box. So I think Fred will probably do a lot better than Scott McTominay in that system because Fred will probably start playing a lot closer to the opposition's goal rather than sitting so deep. Uh, so if, and, you know, Fred's very high energy. He's very good at winning the ball and passing it to, to more creative players. So I think that'll be interesting. McTominay has the correct intangibles to learn the system. I'm not sure if the way he currently plays football will be the instant fit. In the wide areas, Mason Greenwood if he plays on the right-hand side, should really enjoy what he's doing. If Mason Green plays up front, you should really enjoy that as long as he's not playing up front next to Cristiano Ronaldo because I don't think Cristiano Ronaldo and Mason Greenwood is a good partnership. They don't they don't quite seem to mesh. Uh, Jaden Sancho should be good playing in this 4-2-2-2. Um, Paul Pogba's interesting in that I think if Pogba does play, he will have to play on the left of the 4-2-2-2. And while he's a decent dribbler, he's not quick. So that's awkward. This also means I don't know where Bruno Fernandes doesn't have a natural fit because he's a regulation style number 10. He's not really a good wide player 
and he can't really play one of the deeper roles because he he loses the ball too much, right? He's all about high risk, high reward. He's a volume passer. So that's interesting there. Um, uh, Marcus Rashford on the left, mm, I'm not sure. Because again, Rashford likes to cut inside and shoot on his right foot. So if you do want to play Marcus Rashford, you might. I am very much the person who believes that Marcus Rashford should play him on the right-hand side for a little bit. I, I know I'm. this will probably never happen. But, I mean, you've named four uh, players for that left-sided spot. Yeah, this is the problem. So uh, Bruno, problem. Rashford, Pogba, and Ronaldo would want to play there. I don't no, think no, no, Ronaldo, no, 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 Ronaldo no, play not, up front. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that there's two strikers. So, so that's three for three for one already. Yeah, I think. This, but this is the thing that Manchester United—they've basically hit a critical mass of footballing talent. Lingard is, as well, but he's yeah. He, he's I mean, if oh, Martial might be gone too. Martial's made oh. it quite obvious through his agent that he'd like to leave in January, which I think is probably the best for everyone involved. I think it's going to be very hard to find someone to take I on Martial. I think he should go to Arsenal. I don't think Mikel Arteta will enjoy coaching Martial. I think Martial should probably leave England. But then I don't um, I can't I can't see a club in Europe that can afford his wages. So Oh, he's he's on that much. He's on oh, he makes more than 200,000 pounds a week. So Oh shit. That is him. Um that's my thoughts about Manchester United. It's a work in progress, and there are going to be some very obvious winners and some very obvious losers in this new shape and this style of football. Do we have a... Uh, do... Oh, sorry. And I, was... uh, I don't see anyone... I don't see any big players being signed in January. I think it's going to be mostly player sales. So, interesting. Do we have a Ole Gunnar Solskjaer epilogue? Like a quick one? Um. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was. A, it was a pleasure talking to him in press conferences. Uh, I was never. Uh, I never had a had a bad working relationship with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and I know there were, there was rumours and conjecture that I might have been banned from press conferences. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and I had a very good, respectful relationship in press conferences. And no matter what happens, the Manchester United fan base will still regard him as a legend. And I think. It'd be remiss of me not to say, as I'm talking to you right now, the room I'm in, if I look to my left, there is a poster of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scoring. So, there you go. In 1999? Yes, of course. That's why he had the job in the first place. Um, <laughs> uh, two last questions, and then we can get out of here. Ironically, both on Chelsea, so I should have put them in there. Chelsea's annual Christmas shutdown. The team seems to lose their way every December or at least for the last few seasons, Lampard was on top, then December came, and he was collecting unemployment. This season, they were first, now they're third, and relying on Jorginho penalties. That's more of a comment. I think I agree with you. There is something <laughs> up that's going on in, in December. So, you know, it's, it's something to look out for. So thank you for the that, thing Black that, emoji. The thing that's up is essentially, it's December, right? Most December, if you are a top three, top four t- team in England, you could reasonably expect to play six football games in December. Right, uh, so this is a Chelsea team that is n- not a prolific high scoring team that has that asks a lot from maybe two or three members of its squad that has had injuries to two or three members. So, yeah, look, Chelsea aren't playing well right now. Why is that? Kante's injured and Kovacic is injured, those are two players who are really important to speak Chucho's the facts, system. Carl. No Kante, um, no fun. Who, who else? Is, who else is important to Chelsea's system? 
Ben Chilwell because he helps revive with and the attacking thrust. He's oh, injured man. too. Let's, let's oh, get, look. Can we move on to the next? Because I don't want to talk about Alonso today. Because just not. Uh, <laughs> FBPE says, oh no, I shouldn't say it like that. I shouldn't say it like that. Uh, Jax, Jax365. The fan running on the pitch during the Chelsea women's game last week was not arrested because the law doesn't count women's football as a designated mm-hmm. match, in quotes. That's a massive issue for the game, right? Yes, and you want to know that is cool thing? nuts. I read it today. That's crazy. This was in the Athletic today, so this is reported by my co-worker Charlotte Harper. And now, you know what's really cool? Something just broke this like- evening, as we were recording, it became known by Tracy Crouch. She's an MP for Chatham and Aylesford, and it says. Members of women's parliamentary football teams and women's football group have written to the sports minister calling for the closure of the loophole that excludes women's football as designated matches as highlighted by Charlotte Harper. So, cool. thanks to this information from Charlotte and this report, Maybe the loophole is now being, uh, could be closed. So I think this is a really, really cool case of journalism in action. Uh, and uh, congratulations to Charlotte. Uh, really, proud. really proud of you. So if somebody just runs on the pitch, they can just do anything. Oh, it's not a match. Like, what the, What kind of rule is this? Yeah, it's... It's it's, I mean, it's stupid. And I'm, it's I, very I, much I, a, I hope it gets changed immediately because that's putting people yes. in danger for no reason. Yeah, Emma um, Hayes was uh, very dignified in expressing her anger at such She's things. fun. I, I I think amazing is fantastic. <laughs> you know, I was I, purring. Lo- did you see that? <laughs> Do you know why she did? I was purring. She did that because the Arsenal manager <gasps> is superstitious of black cats. And I, at his unveiling, he said, I'm quite superstitious. So I try not to cross a black cat oh. at all times. So that was a very pointed. It's oh, a jab. To, it's uh, a jab. It's a jab. It's a jab. And this um, is great. Shout out Emma Hayes for real. I said before Lampard was hired, they should give it to her. Because I trust her more than Frank Lampard. I said it. I got tweets. I can go back. When, when was he hired? Summer 2018. Whatever they let go of sorry. Bring it Emma Hayes. She's like undefeated. Like bring her in. It'd be fun. It'd be good. Something I found really interesting listening but, to. But, 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 listening but, but, to Emma Hayes but just, is just, that, um... just quickly. Maybe it's better that she stays with women's football in the sense that you need characters like that to build a sport. And it shouldn't yeah. be just because you're talented as a woman, now your validation has to be go coach men. Like, nah, your character is needed to make women's football a bigger entity than what it is. I kind of pulled back from that one because it kind of made it seem like women's football is some little thing. And if you come to the big boy Chelsea, now you've made it. Like, that was kind of, it was, it, was, it was on a line where it's like, I don't know if that's the right thing to say. Basically. But I trust them more than Frank Lampard is the truth as a manager. As a, as a central midfielder, no. But as a manager, yes. Emma Hayes basically said as much when she was linked to or perhaps rumoured to get the Wimbledon job. She went, why Why is the Wimbledon men's job bigger than being the Chelsea women's manager? That's not Something like that. the case. Um, uh, one thing I will say is that I recently listened to Emma Hayes talk to be on the Writers House podcast with Ian Wright, Musa Woman, Ryan Hunt, and she Ian raised Wright, a really Ryan, interesting Ryan. point Sorry. about how tactics and our understanding of possession is archaic she said uh she said formations are an incredibly archaic way of looking at tactics as they only really refer to your shape out of possession which i thought was really cool uh and got me thinking about what the future of football will look like 
because you know while Manchester United on Oli lined up in a four-two-three-one, you know they sometimes played in a three-one-six in build-up. Uh, sometimes they played in two-two-six in build-up. Uh, I think quite the majority of, I say the majority, there are a number of big clubs in Europe now that, regardless of their shape, when of their shape when they line up when they do attack, they attack in a three-one-six. Where one because of the, the fullbacks make up the numbers, the fullbacks push up and then your defensive yeah. midfielder drops back. So, I think, yeah, I just want to raise that up about how if you can, uh, you know, Chelsea women's interviews uh, and press conferences are on YouTube right now. And uh, I, I would highly recommend checking those out just to hear what Emma Hayes thinks about football because I think <laughs> the way she talks about football and the way she describes things about football is. The future of what football will look like. But like, I don't know what I don't know what the World Cup is going to look like. I don't know what the football will look like in 2024. But the way Emma Hayes describes things, I go, yeah, more people are going to be doing that. So there you go. Mm. And the last part of his question: with the increase in COVID cases in the UK, are we getting a delay of games? So the slate tomorrow. I, I thought you might have brought this up, but you didn't touch it. Um, apparently, there's a a COVID crisis going through the Manchester United camp. They have a game scheduled tomorrow, I believe, against yep. Brentford. <laughs> and I think they want the game postponed because a lot of their players are either in quarantine or isolation, whatever the case may be. So do you think we're headed down the road, especially with these new variants? What did, did Boris Johnson say something yesterday? I saw he had a press conference, yeah. but I didn't I didn't include into it. Uh, but he had a press conference urging us all to get urging us those living in the United Kingdom to get uh boost the shots as as, as possible as, as soon as possible. Yeah, and, so and talking about there's how a, there's 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 gonna be another postponement or at least like empty stadiums or something. Because even, 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 United... even, even even in the Champions League, Bayern played Barca in an empty stadium. This is weird to think about I thought we I thought what, that was over, but what we do know and what we can talk about is the fact that Tottenham Hotspur didn't play Brighton on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Tottenham Hotspur didn't play Wren in their final game in the Europa Cup Conference League group stages. So Tom Hotspur had 13 positive COVID cases, eight players, five coaching staff. This is not going to go away. I don't know if we're going to see more cancelled games or more postponed games. But uh, as you did say, what did Boris Johnson say? And I can get that quote up right now for you. No one should be in any doubt that there is a tidal wave of Omicron coming. Oof. Um, if you are listening to this podcast, I can only recommend if I can only recommend you get jabbed as soon as possible. If you are currently, you should currently, you know, have consultations with your doctor as to whether or not, or, or look on the NHS website as to whether or not you can get a booster shot. I'm talking to you right now. I'm scheduled to get my booster shot on Saturday. I will be going to a football stadium for that. Hooray! Um, I would recommend, you know, if you have any lateral flow tests, taking those tests often, not every day, but. Look after yourselves. Be safe. I really hope you have a great Christmas as well. Because, I mean, at a time like this, you don't... <laughs> I'm just going to touch wood. Yeah. Can we lighten the mood just a little bit? I said that was the last thing. I lied. <laughs> I have to talk about this. Especially with you. Because we talked about it in the group chat. Vinicius is balling. Vinicius is balling. <laughs> Isn't that yeah, nice? He had, he, had, he had two assists in the Madrid derby. The goal that Benzema scored. The oddest... Almost one touch goal, maybe I've ever seen. I think there was only like one player in the buildup that touched the ball twice, but it didn't seem like it the way the ball went. But Vinicius he dug out across somehow. Benzema scored a great goal. Then 
Simeone was like, okay, first half, we lost that 1-0. I'm going to bring in Yao Felix. And it changed the game totally. Felix was slowly feeling his way into the game for the first maybe 45 minutes. And I was tweeting it out. Felix has changed the game. And then right when I was about to press send, I, it's, this is, it's weird when this stuff happens. I was going to hit send, and then I see Vinny dribbling. I was like, uh-oh, let me, let me wait. And he puts it across, <laughs> and he finds Asensio. Asensio scores 2-0. It's just like Madrid is just the weirdest team. Atletico cannot beat them. Can I think of a time that Atletico have won? I can't think of a time in my mind. I'm sure it's happened. But it doesn't happen often. But, yeah, I was about to tweet, like, Yao Felix has totally changed the game. He's changed the complexion of the game. I was going to be fancy and try to use, you know, words. Vinicius just came up with an assist. Asensio scored 2-0. And that just killed Atletico's spirit because they knew the game was over. It's great watching Vinicius play football. I mean, you think how recently he's playing against us. (laughs) Yeah, that was last year. Benzema was talking to Furlong Mendy, who hasn't been there since like 2019. So I'm pretty sure it was 2020. Uh, I, I think about it, man. Vinicius is still only, he's only 21. He's still only 21, man. And October, October 2020. Yeah, October 2020. October 2020. So, yeah. So, but I, I, it's amazing. He's, he's going to have a great World Cup, hopefully. I told Half Hope last week, my favorite thing in the past few seasons was whenever Vinny would make a mistake, what I would do is I would look at Benzema and I would look at Modric. <laughs> and the faces and expressions that they made were so funny, man. Like, they'd flap their arms. They'd put their head to the sky. They'd put their head down. It was just like, what is he doing? Like, why are you doing this? Because, in, in my opinion, if you're Modric and if you're Benzema, like, I'm used to playing with Gareth Bale, Di Maria, Ozil, Ronaldo, like, the creme, creme de la creme of, like, wide attacking talent in the world. And I'm dealing with this 19-year-old Brazilian kid who doesn't know what he's doing. But as he's gotten more game time, you know, Zidane gave him confidence, Carlo even more. You can see him slowly putting the pieces together. And this season has yep. been it. I think he has 10 goals, four assists in half a season. Seeing the reaction of Real Madrid fans now to him is really nice. It's really nice watching a, a player win over a fan base, especially a young player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think it's so great that Vinicius is playing well. I'm really excited to see him play for Brazil. Hopefully he's fit and makes it the World Cup. It makes me happy. Powers in his hair, like I said last week. Um, <laughs> nah, it's true. It's true, it's true, it's true. It's true. I mean, like when he was playing bad, he he had his hair fried. Like he stopped getting the little perm kicks. He started using the the the, the sponge brush, and now he's good. So, talking Texas podcast. We do the podcast every Tuesday. Carl, thank you for coming on. Where can people get you? Can't. <laughs> I'm at Daniel to look. Talking Tactics on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Follow us on Patreon. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I suppose. Talking Tactics podcast. Sometimes funny, sometimes serious. But it's always football. Indeed. Peace, peace, peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.